Welcome to the First Apostolic Church Podcast. Our church mission is to love as God loves, showing compassion to every soul, thus winning those souls and equipping them to be sent out to plant and to harvest. Thank you for joining us today, and we hope that you are blessed by today's podcast. Into this a little deeper. Now, if you wasn't here last Wednesday, hit the podcast week to get up to speed. And I realize again from last week, this is, this is, or should I say, can be a, a delicate subject, can be a delicate subject. And so with that, I'm, I'm trying to be uh, delicate. And, you know, it's like handling a package that says this side up fragile on it. And I'm trying to make sure I don't get it upside down and that we're handling it with care. Amen this evening. But uh, we're going to try to dig into this because just because sometimes these things that make us uncomfortable doesn't necessarily mean we shouldn't probe into them. We must, things like this must, must be dealt with. And I think overall that if we'll hang on and survive through dealing with it, we'll be the better on the backside uh, of it. So uh, let's look at the word of the Lord again. This is where we started from last week in James 3 and verse number 1, just to refresh our memories and our minds here. He says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same is a perfect man, and able also to bridle the whole body. Uh, my subject matter for our lesson tonight is basically this. Take it or leave it. Take it or leave it. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. I want God to touch our hearts and our minds tonight. Amen. That we could expose ourselves to the Lord. God, I love you, Jesus, this evening. I thank you, Lord, for your mercy. I pray, oh God, I know, Lord, that you're able to help us, God, on these Wednesday nights as we uh, venture out, God, into uh, what may be, Lord Jesus, some deep waters. It's according, God, to where uh, the different individuals may be, God, in the sanctuary tonight. God, I pray, oh Lord, that you're able to provide healing. God, in this, you're able to provide, Lord Jesus, uh, this introspect, God, where we can look inwardly, Lord Jesus, concerning our own lives and look at the past, present, and future. God, you're all-encompassing, Lord. Your word has the ability to heal, has the ability to guide and instruct. We want it to be all those things to us and for us. In the lovely name of Jesus Christ that I pray. Amen and amen. Everybody say amen. Amen. You may be seated. and I'm, If I may, it's just so good to see you all. It's so good to see so many of you in the house, amen, of the Lord tonight. Hallelujah. We offend all. And just, just a real, real brief little, you know, recourse to last week. Uh, the idea, and you can see in Scripture, the Bible says in many things we offend all. Uh, the terminology was not in a few things. Uh, one of us offend one or so on and so forth or a few but in many things we offend all. The verses of Scripture are very much so encompassing uh, for all humanity, regardless who we may be, that uh, we, we both can stand with uh, the same uh, job description in life. We've offended and we've been offended. We've been the offender and, we've, and we, we have been offended. So uh, nobody, you know, we're not going to start counting, okay? Well, I've had... You know, whenever you start leveling the playing field that everybody's been offended and you've been the offender, now we got to go to the something else. You know, I've had it worse, so let me start counting the offenses that I've had. 
you know, so, so we're not going there. Nobody get out. We're not having a tabulating committee over here uh, that's going to be tabulating everybody's offenses, okay? Uh, but we've all been offended, and we all will offend. And if I may, with that understanding tonight to say this, just because that is a fact that we offend all, which makes us either offender or offended wherever we may be in life right now, that does not mean, though, uh, then you just cast all of that to the wind. It's going to happen anyway, so just put it all out there go on and do your offending and take offense scenario that's not the purpose or the scenario behind that at all you know if if you were if you were just in a a place and let's just say they said you know nine out of ten people in this region nine out of ten people for 90 percent of people here get killed you know in this area well that doesn't mean you just walk around you're just trying to you know tip off some anybody that has a gun because well it's going to happen anyway you understand what i'm saying so uh, with the idea that we do offend all and that that does happen at times our purpose tonight is is taking consideration okay it may happen to me but I don't necessarily have to take offense just because offense is there all right and so uh, with that tonight there are a couple categories for offended people there's a couple categories for offended people number one those who have been treated unjustly uh, some offended people are those who have been treated unjustly. And then there is another category or classification, if you will, of offended people. And it's those who believe they have been treated unjustly. Because there is a margin, somewhat of a margin, between uh, perhaps those who have truly been treated unjustly and then those who uh, perceive or believe they have been treated unjustly. And I would say that those who believe they have been treated unjustly, uh, sometimes that falls, you know, it's kind of like the splintering of a family tree. There's kind of a couple legs to that as well. Uh, those who believe they have been treated unjustly, sometimes uh, that's as a result of them going off inaccurate information. They thought something was said about them, but that which they thought was said about them, which they got from wherever, never was really said, or what was said wasn't what they said they said. And so, see how confusing that can We do off it all the time. <laughs> but, but so it can be based off inaccurate information. And also those who believe that they have been treated unjustly, though, they may have accurate information, but they could have somewhat of a dis distorted conclusion on that information. Maybe that person really did frown. That's true. But it had nothing to do with you. Maybe such and such was whispering to their neighbor. Absolutely true, accurate information, but the distorted conclusion was, it was about me. Amen? So you understand then, so uh, you can believe these different things. The Greek word for offend, I'm going to loosen this tie up so I don't you know, pass out or anything. Amen. The Greek word for offend originally refers to uh, the part of a trap to which a bait is attached. Basically, the, 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 the base essence of the meaning of the word offend then it signifies someone laying a trap in someone's way. Amen. And so now the prey, the one who would be taken by the trap, the prey, though, has a choice. Whenever he's pondering through the woods, if, if it's not deeply hid, if he stumbles upon it, he has, he has, he has a, a choice to either avoid the trap or to engage the trap. Amen. And has anybody ever laid a mouse trap? You don't have to, you know. I'm not raising my hand. I ain't going to let anybody know I have any mouse problem in my house. 
Oh, I've never laid one particularly at my house, but whenever we evangelize, my wife and I will lay plenty of mousetraps, I'm here to tell you, before the trailer days, places that we stayed. And, they're, you know, living in an agriculture area, you live next to a field, it's probably going to happen. They called them field mice. You know, the tr- crops get hit, and they're out of there, son, and they're waiting for another place to go. But you ever laid a mouse trap and just seemed like you'd tried various different ways to catch that mouse? Seriously. I mean, you know, you use cheese more than once. You've tried peanut butter. You know, go through the list, all the different things that you tried to use for that mouse trap, and, and somehow or another, it seems like nothing was working. Wasn't catching the mice. He, he didn't seem to care for the cheese. It seemed like the peanut butter was no great alert to him. And you, I don't know about you, but I begin to start thinking to myself, boy, that's one smart mouse. You know, we got an educated mouse on our hand here. He's been the... He'd been to Mouse University. We got an educated mouse in our hand. Amen. And so though by the mouse not taking the bait, the cheese or the peanut butter, whatever it is, the mouse in essence has rendered the trap ineffective because it avoided it. And we've called also in my mind, you know, man, that's one smart mouse. And the reason why I say that is because he's avoided the trap. And if I'm safe for us tonight collectively that this trap or offense, this idea of offense, is rendered ineffective when we avoid picking it up and taking offense. That's not to say you were not treated unjustly. It's just to say I'm not going to take that unjust treatment and allow that to be taken inwardly and to become a spur in my life for years down the road. Amen. In addition, and I'm not calling anybody stupid here tonight, but if we leave the trap of offense alone, man, let me tell you, you're, you're, you're the head of the class. You're a pretty smart individual, a pretty smart saint. Whenever you see it's there and the opportunity of it, offense is there, but you decided, you know what? I'm, I'm not going to allow that to have the deep-rooted effect that it could have in my life. I'm going, I'm going to bypass that, and, I'm, and we'll get into this a little later tonight, but I, I'm going to show some love of God, and, and we're just going to go on about business. Now, let me tell you, there's times you can accomplish that, and there's times you don't. That's the reason why we all offend. <laughs> you know, I can't say you got to get a 100% success rate out of that. All right. In Acts 24, the apostle Paul, he, he, when we read the story in Acts 24, just hold the verse for a moment, he's, he's knee-deep in the in the throes of false accusations. He's having false accusations about what he has said or what he's taught or what he's preached. Is it treason? Is it, you know, all kinds of different things. Uh, he ha- he's having conspiracies that are being formed against him. Uh, he's incarcerated, literally incarcerated with no real reason. Many of the people that send him to the next judge or stuff, they're asking people, uh, you know, let's have another time to hear Paul so that I might know what to write to the next person. Because usually when you send a prisoner to another jurisdiction, you write, well, these are the things that are laid against him. So they're really grappling for straws to have something to write against the Apostle Paul. So he's in knee-deep in all of this stuff. Uh, if, if we might be able to say this, in this account, uh, Paul in Acts 24 is making his defense. And I could say this already. Paul could have already had many opportunities to already be offended. All the the words of accusations, although they be false, 
all the conspirators, all, all this being jarbled around and being taken to this place and that place, incarcerated. He, could, he had plenty of opportunities to already be offended. And this is what the apostle said then in Acts 24 and verse 16. These are strong, great words. And the apostle Paul says in defense uh, of himself, he says, and herein do I exercise myself to have always a conscience void of offense toward God and toward men. You know what, I, I draw from just those simple words of Paul who have already had many opportunities to be offended. He's telling us, and I think explicitly by using the word translated in our English, exercise, Paul tells us that it isn't easy to keep from being offended. This is not a fly-by-night, you know, like, you know, there's certain things that people do. You know, in school, for instance, you know, some subjects are easier for others. It's just like, men, math is, you've heard it, math is just natural for them. Or, or you know, learning foreign languages is just natural for so-and-so. And, you know, so, so, you may even have certain attributes about your children that just seems to be natural for them. Well, Paul's telling us that not being offended doesn't come natural for any of us. It's not how you just find someone and say, boy, they, they just, they're real good about not getting offended. I want to shake their hand and get their signature in my Bible. Paul says, he says, herein do I exercise myself. I exercise myself, and I exercise myself to become better equipped to not be offended by God and not be offended by man. Because Paul's had several opportunities already to be offended, but he's saying, I'm purposefully restraining myself from taking offense toward God and man. Has anybody ever been a part of an exercise program? Maybe even presently. If not, perhaps whenever January 1st comes. <laughs> now I found where you're living. Amen. Get involved in an exercise program. Beginning of the year, we're going to do this. Month, two, three months later, we're going to do this. Why? Because it's hard to be disciplined. Yet exercise in and of itself, it, it seems to provide you with more strength, more endurance, better health. Sometimes it's painful. Sometimes it's uncomfortable. But you do it anyway. Why? Because all these people's talking about the end result. You see that six-packed ab and you're looking... Oh, yeah, baby. I can get there. This hurts. This is painful. This is uncomfortable. But you have the end result in mind. And I think Paul was conveying to us that, you know what? It, it's sometimes uncomfortable and it's painful to refuse to be offended. It's not easy. Sometimes it's very uncomfortable, but I'm trying to keep the end result in mind. That my life is going to be better by not picking it up. And whoever it is that cast it down's life is going to be better by me not picking it up. So I'm going to try to have a conscience that is void of offense toward God and man. But does it happen naturally for me, the Apostle Paul? No, i got to exercise myself. And so go, uh, listen here. If the Apostle Paul did that, then the not so much Apostle Paul right here is going to have to exercise whenever it comes to being void of offense toward man. 
And a lot of times we would totally discount this and disbelieve this, but offense toward God. There are a lot of people sitting on apostolic church pews that have offenses toward God. Or that used to occupy them but have been offended by God. Paul says, I got to exercise. Is that smart, Paul? Yes. Is it always a success, Paul? No, sometimes it's like three months in, you know, and I got to, whoo, we'll try this next year's, next year's resolution. If you remember last week, we talked about how one of the contributors of offense can be pride. Um, because Timothy told us that in the last days that men would be lovers of themselves more than even lovers of God. So many times we look out for ourselves to the hurt of others, to the detriment of others. And uh, not only can pride help you, help make you the offender, pride can help make you the offender, it can help you stay offended. Pride can help make you the offender because you don't believe you do wrong, but you do. Amen. Or you, you hurt others because you're looking out for yourself. But it can also help you stay. Everybody say stay. Stay offended. Uh, because whenever you stay offended, what pride does, it'll keep you from admitting your true condition that maybe you are offended. That yes, I do have a problem. Uh, if you'll remember last week, and I touched on this briefly, that there are times that we sometimes say, you know, well, that didn't bother me. Someone said something, say, well, well, that didn't bother me. And sometimes when we say that, if you'll remember from last week, we say that because, well, we really didn't have a high expectation of that person, so it really didn't bother us. But other times we say that to mask over the hurt that really is there. Uh-huh. To mask over the hurt really is there. And so we're denying that it hurt us, denying that it bothered us. And why do we do that sometimes? Because if somebody admits hurt, then all of those that have any idea about it are probing in there. Amen. Looking to help. Looking to just condition and encourage. That's really what we should be doing. Just trying to encourage rather than to just add wood to the fire. Because what does the proverb say? He said, where no wood is, the fire goeth out. And sometimes you might not be the cause of the fire, but you help the fire continue because you're just adding wood. But if you deplete the wood pile, you essentially deplete the fire. Amen. And, and, and so, but whenever you say, well, that, that didn't hurt or I deny that and pride's real doing you that because you don't want to admit that someone actually hurt you. So sometimes we got that macho man, you know, we're invincible, nothing hurt us. But stuff really does hurt us. So we just say, no, it didn't hurt, I'm fine. But it really did. So we're dealing with that all of ourselves, and we're just nurturing that and we're, 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 we're catering to that. And whenever we see that other person, then what happens, bitterness starts to grow and seeds of bitterness start to grow in our life. Amen. So we can't, can't allow it. Pride's a big factor in humanity it was from the very beginning it will be till the day we die so we don't watch it it'll cause us to offend and it will cause us to pick up offense amen as well and we got to watch pride uh someone once said perhaps best uh, uh concerning pride said it said that the smallest package we have ever seen is a man wrapped up in himself <laughs> amen amen because see pride can make you feel like a victim 
I know this is uneasy. This is the reason why I'm just kind of taking it easy. I don't expect somebody to jump up with glory hallelujah and take two laps around the church right about now. <laughs> Pride can make you feel like a victim. And your attitude can become, I was mistreated. I was misjudged. And so I'm justified for my behavior because I've been mistreated and I've been misjudged. Because sometimes we believe that we're innocent. We've been falsely accused. And whenever we believe we're innocent and we're falsely accused, see, pride can somehow taint all that and turn all that. We might have been rightly accused, but uh, whenever all this starts coming about and we think, well, you know, well, I'm innocent because I'm going to protect myself. I'm falsely accused. I'm going to protect myself. Then what happens is a big no-no and has eternal consequences. Then we hold back forgiveness. And then whenever we hold back forgiveness, God can't grant forgiveness to us. And so whenever we restrain forgiveness from somebody, then God restrains his forgiveness from us. So this pride thing has really went too far. In the book of Revelation, Jesus addressed the church of Laodicea by first telling them how they saw, their, saw themselves. And the way the church of Laodicea found and saw themselves was that they were rich, they were wealthy, they didn't have a need for anything. And then, though, he showed them their true condition. He said, you're wretched, you're miserable, you're poor, you're blind, and you're naked. See, it caused pride for themselves, caused them to have a miss, a wrong view about themselves, a false view, yes, Sister Craig, about themselves, when in reality, they were in need. You know, they, they've mistaken all this financial strength for spiritual strength, which was not. Pride hid their true condition. And just as, if I could say, as pride can suppress true offenses sometimes that we've taken and we've started to nurture. Now, what, how does this thing, how does this, this offense stuff, how does this work? What, what way does offense work? If we can go back to a verse from last week of Proverbs 18 and verse 19, uh, you will remember whenever Jesus was speaking to his disciples, he said, uh, uh, basically, uh, you're all going to be offended in so many words. It's impossible for you not to be offended with some of the words, and it follows up, woe unto him by whom the offense came. And we've all times looked at that, as I said, you know, whoever does the offending, it's like, well, bless God, the Bible says, woe unto him by whom the offense, like, it's worse, it's a greater uh, whore to be uh, the offender than it is to be the offended. And I told you that I thought maybe one reason why it stated that was because of Proverbs 18, 18, 19. A brother offended is harder to be one than a strong city. And their contentions are like the bars of a castle, meaning that after someone's offended, it's hard to win them back. Such a great struggle. Now, it says they are, they're, they're, they're stronger or it's harder to be one than a strong city. Now, strong cities in that culture and time were cities that had walls around them. That were cities that had some type of fortification. Those walls were their protection. It, it would sometimes kept certain things or certain people out. Their walls were a way to screen what was allowed in. And know well that the moment that a person takes up offense, an opportunity of offense is there, and they take that and they become offended. They go to lay in mortar and brick. They start erecting their walls. One reason because as soon as you've been hurt, you don't want to be hurt again. And, and really, I think God maybe helped me just a little bit. If you'll just bear with me here for the next few moments, I'm going to try to walk through this. 
And you say, well, how do you know this, Bermuda? Because I'm human like you're human. And so if you ever want to know what humanity thinks about, just think about how you think. <laughs> That's real deep there. Now, you'll get that when we go home, all right? Whenever we become offended, what happens is we will only let those in that we believe will not hurt us. Or that we have high expectations of that will not hurt us or at least have not hurt us yet. And so we, we've been hurt, we've been offended, we've built our walls, we got our little gate though. So I'm going to let such and such or so and so in here because they've never hurt me. Or they've never offended me. And so they come in or I have a high expectations of this person that they won't do that and they haven't yet. So I let them in, amen. And so that's great. But here, here's sometimes the problem, listen to me. The people then that we let into our life that have not, we've not been hurt by yet, here's the problem, letting some of those people in. Because some of those people that we let in may have been hurt by the person you've just been hurt by. And so I, I let this person in because they've not hurt me, but there's something we have in common. We've both been hurt by so-and-so. And see, when that happens, we stay inside that walled, fortified area and the person I just came in, that I just allowed in, can feed me why it's good I have these walls here. They even get their hands in the mortar and the brick. Why? Because at somewhere down the road, they've been offended too and it's not been resolved. Is everybody listening to me? And so we let these people inside our walls that haven't offended us, but we're feeding off them because, you know, we have certain opinions about what happened and they're in agreement with our opinions. They're, they're helping us justify our opinions of what took place and happened because that person likewise, somewhere down the road, has been hurt by that person. Birds of a feather. Walk together. Pardon my sign language there. Amen. So we're justified about that. But listen, listen. There's always a status quo challenge. Because sometimes you'll let people into your walls that you start putting up because they didn't hurt you. But here's where the breakdown goes. Neither have they been hurt by who you've been hurt by. Here's where the status quo begins to change. Because whenever I allow somebody into my walls that didn't hurt me, but neither have they been hurt by who presently hurt me, then there's something that starts to happen here. Because now I have this voice on the inside of my walls whenever I start talking all this negativity about the hurt that I sustained and how bad I was done and offended. That person who likewise, who's never been hurt by the one that had hurt me is starting to speak some positive things about those people. Flock of dogs is going over right now. See, the people I let in that didn't hurt me that was hurt by the same people, man, we're all right. We'll eat dinner together We'll socialize, everything's okay. Because we both have a same perspective. But I let somebody in that never hurt me, but was never hurt by them either. And whenever I say such and such, you say, you know what, I think you might be looking at that wrongly. Watch out for the hair that stand up on the back and the neck 
of the one that's been hurt. Why? Because you're starting to poke around with how they feel. And so that positive voice then sometimes start being viewed kind of negative. We almost got us another offense going on here. I mean, they'll take well to the one who has offended you, but you know, you're going against what I'm presently feeling. So two things will result. When, when you allow somebody into your walls you built because of an offense, two things will result whenever that person hasn't been offended by the same person and then they'll be offended by them somewhere along the way. But presently they're not. Here's what's going to happen. The offended will continue to trust them and their positive words will help change their negative mindset about the present situation. They'll they'll open themselves up to that positive feedback and rather than continue being negative, continue and just have a hard, fast view of it, they'll allow that to soften them and they'll become pliable and they'll start seeing things from a different angle and from a different way and they're getting closer to a resolve with all that and they're starting to take down brick rather than adding more brick because of that voice. They'll either respond like that or the offended will become hurt and offended at the person that they lit in the walls. Because they're not in agreement with how they may be feeling. And so you start, you start telling me how I shouldn't have this brick wall built up. Guess what? Tomorrow you'll be on the outside of the wall too. Amen. This is how this offense thing works. And I'm not going real deeply here, but that's how you have factions that happen in anything, whether it be a volunteer endeavor, churches, schools, governments, that's how you have factions. In churches, they call them cliques that happen. Because a lot of times, they have their circle of people, and they're all in there behind their wall against whoever else that might have been hurt by that person. And they'll stay in that faction because we agree on what they're all about. Lo and behold, don't allow a positive voice in there that would speak something contrary to what the group says. That's not going to be taken too kindly, and usually what will happen, that person will be set outside of their wall. You know what happens, though? That will kill churches. That will kill organizations. That will kill the spirit. Because what you have then is division and separation. The Bible says in Matthew 24, moving on, I got to really move. We'll just, we'll just go as far as we can. Matthew 24, that doesn't mean I'll get through everything, okay? I'm not going to take advantage of you. Matthew 24, I'm about ready to offend somebody right here. Matthew 24, here's an opportunity. <clears throat> Matthew 24 and verse 10, the Bible says, And then shall many be offended, and shall betray one another, shall hate one another. Many false prophets shall rise and shall deceive many. And because iniquity shall abound, the love of many shall wax cold. But he that shall endure unto the end, the same shall be saved. Now, it's the setting of Scripture that this is, is that the disciples have congregated around the Lord and have posed basically a question to him, and that is this, Lord what will be the sign or signs of your coming? And his response and reply to them, here are some of the signs of my coming. Among them was this, then shall many be offended. 
Let me tell you, folks, he's, he's nigh at the door. <laughs> <He's> <laughs> we don't know the exact day. No man knows that. But he said you can pick up on the signs and get a season. He says many shall be offended. Look, look how many times the word many. He said many be offended, many false prophets, deceive many. Amen, the love of many. Man, we got all this going on left and right. Amen. Many. He said, many, many shall be offended. Well, that's great, of course. Yeah, that's happening all the time out there in our world. He's not talking about worldly people. Who are the offended? Christians are the offended. The Bible says, and because, shall, it's because iniquity shall abound, the love of many, the same many that were offended, shall wax cold. The word love there in the scripture is the Greek word agape. Remember, there's about three or so words for love throughout the Scripture. Agape, though, is that love of God. It's God's love. It's the unconditional type of love. Love that is shown not because of performance and love that is shown with no expectation of anything in return. The agape, unconditional type of love. And that love is only acquired by God, through God. And in God. So we're talking about them people that had demonstrated at one point in their life that agape love of God that can only come from God. Can I say Christians? But now it's wax code. It's non-existent. He said all this, their love, the love of Christians, wax code, many shall wax code. The same many that are offended are those that are waxing code in their God love, their unconditional love. It makes sense, don't it? Because only God's love can survive in an offense to love unconditionally in spite of what's happened. Uh-huh. Amen. See, the philo love, which is the brotherly love, the family love, is the type of love like I scratch your back, you scratch mine. But the God unconditional love is I scratch your back and it doesn't matter if you scratch mine or not. Only that type of love can survive in the realm and the arena of offense or can be shown or demonstrated in the realm or the arena of offense because filial love, if you offend me, then we're searching for the golden rule that says do unto others as you would have them do unto you because you're wanting to do what they did to you. You hear me? <laughs> filial love is one eye for eye, tooth for tooth type of scenario. Amen. So many of them are offended. The Bible says in Galatians 5, we'll come back to this said in Scripture, but in Galatians 5 and verse 13, the Bible says, For brethren, ye have been called unto liberty, only use not liberty for an occasion to the flesh, but by love, everybody say love, but by love, that's a agape love there, but by love serve one another, unconditional love. That love, not waiting for anything in return or performance. By love, serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled in one word, the Apostle Paul say, saying, even this, thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. Now, it's interesting, he said it's fulfilled in one word, then he gives us a phrase. But I think we understand what the word was. The word is love. Law is fulfilled by one word, namely love. He says, if ye bite and devour one another, take heed that ye be not consumed of one another. So he gives us a phrase, but the one word that he's referring to in the context of this scripture is the word love because only by love could the early saints serve one another. 
that unconditional agape love of God allows us to serve one another even though, listen, even though we may have sustained hurts from the same people. Someone say amen. See, love, if I understand scripture right, even 1 Corinthians 13, love will only cause a person not to weigh too heavily on the wrongs that have been done to them but also cause them to go and do the distance go the distance and do whatever must be done for another and listen to me very talking about the early church listen 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 church in general the greatest we all offend right the greatest testament of the church should be listen that we offend all but we are still in this thing together. That should be the, 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 the demarcation of the church compared to everything else. That group break up and go. They have a hard time, someone leaves. The demarcation of the church should be this, that we still offend each other, we poke each other with our quills sometimes, but we're still in this thing together. So, so, the, so the demarcation of the church should not be, well, there's no offense that happens there. No, it's that they stay together in spite of the offenses they've sustained from each other. We still love one another. We still care about the future of each other. We still help each other. Although we've been offended by the same person and will be offended again perhaps by the same person. So the great proof of the church isn't it doesn't have any problems, but the great proof of the church is that it continues to love through its problems. John 13, 35, Jesus said this concerning his disciples. By this shall all men know that ye are my disciples. If you have love one to another. In other words, Jesus saying, you will know that they are mine. Let me state it like this. Jesus didn't say, you will know that they are mine if they have no offenses among them. That wasn't the bell ringer for notification that that was his disciples. No. Is it true? Quite frankly, impossible. But throughout the Gospels, he's saying, if you see the disciples... And look, look, the disciples, no offense among them. Have you read the Gospels right lately? Huh? Birkin, who's the greatest? Who's going to do this? Who's going to sit on the left hand? Who's going to sit on the right hand? The Lord, knowing their thoughts and addressing several of the ups and downs and headaches that they had among them. Amen. Oft times in competition, having feel ill feelings toward, you know, Peter or whether it was John or whoever it was all the time. Amen. But the litmus test, if you will, for being Christ, for being Jesus's, was this, their love. In spite of their offenses. And I'm not here to disappoint anybody, but let's walk with our eyes wide open. You increase people, you increase problems. You increase people, you increase opportunity for offenses so we're not looking at a day if we ever grow <laughs> that the stats are necessarily going to decline because if you increase people 
You've in, look, I mean, you've increased opinions. You've increased ways of doing things. You've increased friendships or no friendships, blah, blah, blah. I mean, uh, in, in New Testament Scripture, Psalms, or not Psalms, but Acts, rather, there's about 120 in the upper room, and they received the power of the Spirit before the day's over. 3,000's added, you know, to the church. Uh, whenever Peter and John with the venture of the lame man, the Bible says there was about 5,000 men. It just stated the men in particular uh, that was added into the church. A little further down, we see multitudes, Scripture states, of men and women that were added to the church. So, man, we got increase of people so that the Bible opens up in Acts chapter 6 and verse 1, and in those days, when the number of the disciples was multiplied, there rose a murmuring. Increased people, we got us some problems. We got us some offenses that are here. Amen. So going back to Galatians, though, Paul tells us that the law is fulfilled by unconditional love. Listen, unconditional love can only be known in an environment of offenses. The trial of it being unconditional would never be known if there was supposed conditions there that you had to be unconditional about. Is everybody walking with me? I didn't lose you there off the deep end, did I? You can't show unconditional love unless there's something there that you've you got to overlook, look beyond, look past. So if we don't, listen, if we don't risk being hurt, we cannot give unconditional love. I've got to risk that. That means I have to have some relationships where I built up the wall. I've got to tear the wall down and rebuild the relationship because I can't show the love of God unconditional love, love that asking for nothing in return or for performance if I don't have a scenario that it can operate in, which is opportunity for offense, to be hurt, to be made vain of, to be talked about, to be disregarded. In essence, unconditional love, the love of God gives others the right to hurt us. Oh, that's strong, isn't it? Unconditional love gives others the right to hurt us. Because they can hurt us with unconditional love. And again, I understand we all be, we don't always get it right, okay? But if, if we're having a good day that day and we're just swallowed in spirituality and the love of God, we can love them in spite of that. And we won't pick up the offense. And we, we can go on. And we can live for the Lord. So if, listen, if I state it some way differently, if there was never an offense or an opportunity for offense, Agape love would have no platform to practice on. We got time. Matthew 5, verse 44. And here's some of the words of Jesus. And these are stout words. Sermon on the Mount. These are, these are strong. And sometimes I feel like the Apostle Paul. You know, I have not yet apprehended, but this one thing I do forgetting what's behind and I'm pursuing I'm not attained yet but I'm pursuing I got the chase down if you remember that message that's the way I feel sometimes when I read certain scriptures I'm not yet attained but I'm in pursuit Jesus says but I say unto you love your enemies bless them that curse you do good to them that hate you pray for them which despitefully use you 
persecute you. Notice that. That ye may be the children of your Father which is in heaven. What are you saying? He's saying, how, how did I tell you that you would know my disciples? He says, because of the love they would have. He says, whenever these things come and you're able to demonstrate love and not necessarily pick up a fence, he says that ye may be the children of your Father. He says, it's just an indicator of your mind. For he maketh his son to rise on evil and on the good, sendeth rain on the just and on the unjust. For if ye love them which love you, what reward have you? Common knowledge. There's the filial love. They love me. I love them back. You know, it does, it's not real difficult to love somebody that loves you. <laughs> you know, it's not real difficult to love somebody that loves you. He says, well, what reward have you? Do not even the publicans the same? I mean, they do that within their circles. He says, and if you salute your brethren only, what do you more, do more than others? Not even the publicans do so. You know, the, 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 he said, not do, do not even the publicans do so. He says, so you salute, you know, you salute those who salute you. You know how it goes. He said, you, I mean, if you're waiting for a golden medallion to put on your lapel because you've done that, he says, there isn't really a great reward for that. I mean, it's like everybody's doing that. <laughs> it's hard to make something uh, peculiar of value when it, it's just common as, you know, everyday gravel out there in the parking lot. You know, my kids, uh, they have a different idea. They can pick up one of those pieces of stone. I don't know what they say. Look at this rock. Well, it looks like every other rock sitting out there. You know, it's dirty and been drove over you look at this right <laughs> i think sometimes we do that with with our love and how we show up to one another said man god i'm doing good look what i did he said well don't they love you don't they salute you haven't they been kind and generous to you? they haven't offended you yet right <laughs> he says but if you if you abandon that love if you abandon that love that agape love <laughs> The results will differ in Galatians 6 or 5 it was. If, if you abandon that love, that love he spoke of, that the law is fulfilled, he said the results begin to differ. Because in that last verse there that I read of Galatians 5, 5.15, he says, but, here's the contrast, but if ye bite and devour one another, he said, take heed that ye be not consumed of one another. He started to describe how ugly offenses can get whenever they don't operate in the arena of the agape love of God. The Greek meaning for the word bite, all right, is to bite with the teeth, metaphorically to wound the soul, cut, lacerate, rend with reproaches. To devour, Greek translation, it means to eat up metaphorically to strip one of his goods to ruin consume in the Greek to expend use up or destroy listen without love he says but you don't use that love that unconditional love but without love offenses go from if I might say wounding to ruining to destroying Paul was cautioning the people that without love, if you wound and ruin, take heed. He said, because you'll be on the verge of destroying that person. Amen. Without love. It, even the, the, the picture symbolism is, is pretty strong for me. Just biting. 
just, just biting. But then it goes from there to devouring to finally a consumption of all. And listen, our enemy, our adversary, wants that inevitability that offenses are going to happen, offenses are going to come to destroy us. He wants the fact that we've made plain from the very first session, we offend all. He wants that to destroy us. He wants that to destroy the church. But in all of his blackboard formula of the plan and the design of, man, we got this thing, they offend all, so this is going to be the hang-up. This is going to destroy them, the biting to the devouring to the consuming. There was one unaccounted-for variable that he forgot to figure in his formula. The love of God, the unconditional, not performance-based, not asking for anything in return type of love of God. Remove it. Yeah, devil, you got a sound case. But whenever it's present, offenses are there, but God's love is there. And whenever the offense and love of God come together, they can say, all right, I'm not going to pick this up. I'm not going to bury this in my spirit. I'm not going to let this thing become festering up somewhere long deeper down in my life no 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 because I'm going to show the love of God stand with me here this evening I still got further to go could go further but I don't know how much time that takes is everybody doing okay all right. This is, you know, this isn't something that you go away on and talk about at vacation. <laughs> Amen. But it's important. It's important. It's important to go there. It's important to think about it, consider it. Amen. You know, sometimes it's just good to take a cover off what we really do. You know, sometimes it's like the elephant in the room that nobody wants to talk about. It's there. But sometimes just good to pull back the cover and say, this is how we really think. This is everybody. And everybody, you know, the, you sat there and sometimes just what I said tonight just explained some stuff. You're like, that's exactly how it is. Well, how in the world did he know that? Because I'm no different than you. It's not like I've been on a three-day fast and there's this great presentation from heaven that came down and said, behold. No, all I have to do is walk in shoe leather and live life. And there's some good lessons that come from just that. We bow our heads in this place tonight. Amen. I just want to pray a prayer. Amen. This evening over us. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information about our services and activities, you can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter with the username FACMC. Again, that's FACMC. Thank you and have a blessed day.